Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, October 1st edition of the MAOB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It's pretty crazy. It's October already. Unreal. I feel like this year's gone by so so fast. Like, I remember when this pandemic started like six months ago, seven months ago, and it's crazy how far it's lasted now. So hope everyone's staying safe. Hope everyone's doing well. We got a lot of MMA this weekend coming up. Uh, we got a Belter card today, actually, so I'll be previewing that card today. Belter 247, we do have odds for that, thankfully. UFC on ESPN 16, Hol Maldonado, that's on Saturday night. I previewed that card with Cole Shelton on Tuesday, so definitely go back and check out that podcast if you missed it. There's also another Belter card on Saturday. We don't have odds for that yet. I'll probably touch on it like briefly here today, but we don't have odds, so I can't break down the fights as well as I would, obviously, with odds. Um, what else? Conor McGregor's obviously in the news again, talking about Dustin Poirier, Dana White's in there now as well. So I'll talk about that. Some news and fight announcements. Let's get right into today's show. So I'm going to start with Bellator 247. Um, there's four fights with odds. I'll just focus on those four fights here. So it takes place today. It's on CBS Sports Network. It's Bellator's first event on CBS Sports Network. And it takes place in Italy. Now, the main event was supposed to be Derek Anderson against Paul Daly, but the fight was canceled. Due to Paul Daly having a really bad weight cut. So the fight's off. Derek Anderson, Paul Daly. That was the best fight in the card, I think, for sure. But the fight is no longer happening due to Daly's missed weight cut. And then he had problems after the weight cut, too. He posted a video on Instagram. You can go watch that if you want. He basically explained that he was having severe, like, uh, cramping and stuff. And he said this is not uh, unnormal for him. It usually does happen to him, but usually is... Cutting the weight in a private room, he said that in this case, he was in a big like open area where there's like other fighters, doctors, etc. And, and people noticed he was not feeling very well. So the fight was canceled, which is unfortunate. But the rest of the card, I mean, it's not the greatest card. Let's be completely honest here. It's definitely not. But there are some interesting fights. There's a lot of like European talent on this card. So, you know, looking at the prelims now, there's a lot of guys that aren't very experienced and aren't big names. But, you know, we do have four fights, like I said, that we do have odds for. So I'll talk about those right now um let's start with this fight chris duncan against emac for according to topology it's a 160 pound catchweight fight i think both these guys normally fight at lightweight so they're giving them five extra pounds here odds right now for this fight chris duncan minus 250 emac for plus 190 just looking at these guys right now um let's pull these let's pull this up here screen share let's do it Share screen and then where is it? Chris Duncan, there it is. Let's try this out. That working okay? Let's see here. Yep, there we go. So let's take a look at this guy. I mean, six and oh. They don't have his age listed, unfortunately. Uh Scottish fighter. You're looking at his record. Three straight wins in Bellator by knockout, and it's pretty good, right? Again, the guys he's fighting are not super high level competition. Like you look at some of the guys he fought before Bellator, two and oh, oh and oh, five and seventy, not great fighters. Last guy was 14 and 5. That's not bad. But he's only fighting two years as a pro. He's already 6 and 0 with six finishes or five, uh, six finishes, actually. Yeah. Five by, by stop um, strikes and then one by submission. That's pretty good. I mean, for a guy that doesn't have a lot of uh, experience in as a pro, he does have obviously more amateur experience. You got to look at that, too, right? It's not just the pro fights. Let's take a look at the other guy, Emac Furtado, 6 and 3 record here, 33 years old. Uh, he's a Brazilian fighter uh, from African background. He's from. Gina Bissau, which is pretty cool. So I don't think there's too many fighters in there in Bellator UFC right now. Looking at this guy's record, 6-3. and three, He's coming off two straight losses, though. Kiefer Crosby and Carlos Eduardo. 
Crosby guy is just an okay fighter. That fight was earlier this year. I remember that. I think he was a big fear there anyways. But, uh, you know, looking at this guy's record, I mean, it's definitely not great either. So he does have, like, this guy is 44 and 17. I mean, that's an okay win, I guess. But, again, I don't know a lot about both these guys. I don't think a lot of us do. But based on what I've seen, I mean, how do you win Duncan here, really? Like, undefeated fighter, younger, probably younger guy. I mean, he doesn't have the age listed, but I'm assuming he's younger than 33. So I, I think I'm going to go with Duncan here. But, again, you know, minus 250 and a guy that's not really proven, that's kind of pushing it, I think. So if you're going to parlay him, I think be careful, but he should win. I would pick Duncan here probably by stoppage, if I have to guess. This guy's only been stopped once, but Duncan can finish a lot of guys with the strike. So that's kind of how I lean in that one. Well, looking back at the card now, next fight, Brian Moore against Simone de Anna. Looking at the odds for this one, Brian Moore minus 180, Simone de Anna plus 150. So Brian Moore, let's take a look at Brian Moore here. 12-7 and 7 record, Irish fighter, 33 years old as well. A lot of older guys in this card. He's an SPG guy. I'm kind of familiar with this guy. I mean, he's been around for a while. Obviously, he's fought in uh, some smaller shows in, in Europe. And then, obviously, Cage Warriors. That's where I remember this guy from, Bama. And then Bellator. He's actually got five fights in Bellator, six fights. He's three and three. So, not bad. You look at the losses. Daniel Weichel, AJ McKee, and Noah Lahat. That's a former UFC guy and then two really good featherweights. So, not bad losses. The three wins, though, don't really know much about these guys. But, you know, this is an experienced guy. He's been around for a while. His opponent here, Simone Deanna. 7-2 record. He's an Italian fighter, so he will be fighting from home. Only 25 years old, so that's a good thing there. He's an American top team rowing guy, so I believe Sakara would be his training partner. Looking at this guy's record, I mean, three straight wins, but uh, only one fight in Bellator. He got knocked out with a head kick in six seconds. I don't know if I've seen that fight, actually. I'll have to go back and watch that, but six-second knockout. He does have a lot of finishes, which is good to see. He's young, so you know, definitely I think this guy can pull off the upset. Plus 150 uh, odds. I think he possibly could pull off the upset more is the more experienced guy that's why he is the favorite right now but this guy could definitely pull it off so again you gotta be careful with these fights these are not proven guys so don't go crazy on it i think it's dogger pass i guess i'd slightly lean towards more just do the experience but i think it's dogger passes you know this guy has a lot of things going in his favor he's fighting at home he's a lot younger now with no fans i don't know how much the home field manage matters right now but you know what i'm saying so, next fight, Norbert Noveni Jr. against Lade Zeruni. Right now, Noveni minus 550, Zeruni plus 400. I'm pretty sure that Noveni wins this fight. This this looks like a mismatch to me. This is Bellator trying to get this guy another stoppage win. This guy is definitely an interesting prospect. 4-0, Norbert Noveni Jr. Now, they don't have his age list. I believe he's in his 20s, so he's pretty young. He's a big dude, and he's 5'11", he's a middleweight. You look at his Bellator run so far, 3-0 in Bellator, 4-0 as a pro. So this guy is pretty good, and he's got a good submission game, right? That's his bread and butter. Now, the thing about this guy is his father was an Olympic athlete, I believe, for Hungary, if I'm not mistaken. So his father won a couple Olympic medals, if I'm not mistaken. So this guy comes from a good athletic background. And I've been impressed with this guy so far in Bellator. I mean, he's got three wins, right? The Will Flurry fight, he didn't finish him, but he, the other two fights he finished. Flurry is actually a pretty good fighter. He's an underrated guy in Bellator. Now, his opponent here at Lazaruni, you look at the record right away, 7-5. So, I mean, it's not a good record. He's a young guy, 25, but that record def definitely bothers me. And then you look at some of his performances here and his wins. Look, 0-0, I mean, the wins he's had are just awful. And then he's lost a lot. He's lost by submission four times. He is coming off a win, so I guess at least he's coming off a win. Bellator often books these guys coming off losses, but there's no way I would take this guy in this fight. I like Norvenu Jr. quite a bit here, guys. I think he wins by submission. 
There's no prop for it, though, unfortunately. Maybe take a look at that prop if it drops today because this card is a little bit lower, uh, a little bit uh, earlier today. I think it's like 4 o'clock, so in the afternoon for uh, EST. So definitely take a look online before that card starts. Maybe you'll find a line him by submission. I'm pretty sure he's going to submit this guy in this fight. That's my prediction. I'm, that's probably my most, most confident prediction of the threes of where I mean – He's a big favorite, so it's not like I'm a genius here or anything, but I'm pretty sure he wins by stoppage uh, submission. All right, next up, main event, Denise Kyle Holtz against Kate Jackson. And right now we have pretty close odds for this fight. Kate Jackson minus 120, Kyle Holtz minus 110. So basically a pick slightly towards Jackson, really super close fight here. And, you know, you look at both these fighters, it, it's you can see why the odds makers have it close. Kate Jackson, 11-4-1. Uh, 34 years old, so that obviously stands out like kind of a store form. I don't like betting on uh, fighters that are that old. It's against someone like Kyle Holtz, who's a, a little bit younger. I'll talk about her in a second. But Jackson, she actually has quite a few fights on for Beltor. She's 3-2 and two in the promotion. You look at the three wins, not amazing, but decent. Colin Schneider, it's not a bad win. Yankova is not bad. And this uh, Lena is not bad either. The two losses to Alima Lane McFarlane, we remember that fight. She actually survived the full five rounds. And Valerie Letourneau, who's a former UFC fighter. Then you look at her fights on the contenders or uh, Ultimate Fighter. She beat Ashley Yoder. She has this other win. I don't know Irene Caballo, but Tatiana Suarez, that's her loss on the show. So looking back now, it's almost like this girl probably should have got a fight in the UFC because she beat Ashley Yoder, who's still in the UFC, and then lost to Suarez, who everyone knows incredible. So I kind of feel like she got uh, Troy in the sticks. She also fought Joanna back in 2013. So this girl has a lot of experience, and I do like that. Now, Kyle Holtz this is an interesting fighter, too. Five and two, 31, so a little bit younger, three years younger. That does help. Uh, Dutch fighter, kickboxer primarily. Uh, you look at her record, a lot of fights in Belgium kickboxing, and pretty well, too. She's done pretty well. You know, a lot of wins. A lot of wins by decision, but she's done pretty well. Now, after the kickboxing thing, in 2017, she transitioned to MMA. And since then, she's actually looked really good, 5-1 and one, since transitioning. So, man, I mean, look at some of these wins. Like Christina Williams, I'm not saying she's a great fighter, but that's still a nice win. And, and Jessica Middleton submitted her, and she has a knockout win here. So this girl's pretty good. I think this is a super close fight. I Again, I wouldn't go crazy on this one either. My slight lean was towards Jackson because of the experience. But, you know, Kyle Holtz is absolutely a wild card in this fight. There's a reason the line's super close. Because this girl is getting better, and Jackson might be at the same level. So we'll see what happens. But my pick would be Jackson, edge of the decision. It's not the greatest main event. We all know that. It's a Bellator main event. It's a weak Bellator main event. But, you know, if you want to dig into this fight a bit more, maybe there's a betting opportunity here. So overall, I mean, it's definitely not the greatest card. But I think a lot of us will probably want to throw a bet or something on it. All right. Looking at uh, Bellator Euro Series 9. Now, I don't have odds for this. Um, switch the screen here. Get this one out. There, I don't have odds for this card because uh, they don't have them up yet. But this is Saturday, so this is Bellator Your Series Nine Ga uh, Gallagher versus Eleanor. This is on Saturday, apparently. Um, again, don't have odds. Hopefully, get some odds. But looking at this card, uh, more I think names. You got James Gallagher here against Cal Eleanor. That's a fight they've wanted to book a few times. Again, no odds, but I'm assuming Gallagher is going to be a big favorite. Charlie Ward here against Andy Manzolo. Charlie Ward's a guy that Bellator seems to love. UFC had him. He wasn't very good in the UFC, but Bellator seems to love this guy. And he, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. This guy's a lot of wins. The guy's facing, but I mean, Charlie Ward's kind of a proven name at this point in Bellator, so he might be favored. Then that Kiefer Crosby guy I mentioned earlier. 
He's fighting this Charlie Leary guy. I think Crosby after that last win probably is favored. And then we even got to like Carl Albertson. This is a guy that uh, is a pretty good prospect at 205. And you got Sinead Kavanaugh against Katarina Lehner. That's not a bad fight. Uh, you know, Carl Pellersoli, he was in the UFC for a while. Uh, Van Roosmelen, I mean, that's an interesting name too. So there's definitely some decent fights. Ashley Grimshaw, there's some decent fights in this card. I think compared to the other belt card, this is actually the better card. For some reason, that's the card that got all the shines on CBS Sports Network as the numbered event. But I actually feel like this card actually might be the better card. So, um, again, no odds, but just wanted to alert you guys that that card is happening on Saturday. Got some questions here. Kevin, how's it going, man? I was looking at the L uh, lightweight division. Now with John on top, it seems pretty competitive. Anyone in that top six can beat any of others on any given night. 100%. I agree completely. Said it on Tuesday. I don't know how many title defenses Jan will have. I like Jan. He's a good fighter. He's won a lot of fights. He's proven time and time again he can win as an underdog. I don't want to say I'm doubting the guy because I think he's really good. And stylistically, he can beat a lot of these guys. But this could be a situation where you have a champion that doesn't really even defend his title once because this division, like you said, Kevin, is so competitive. There's so many good guys. Like Yuri Prochaska is, like, I think, like number six or seven. I think he could beat Jan Blahovitz if they fight. Tiago Santos already knocked him out last year. It was last year. It wasn't even that long ago. So he could win that fight. Clover Teixeira, I think, could actually beat him as well. So there's some fights that he can he can lose um, against top guys in this division. We'll see what happens. I hope they get him booked quickly. He took, like, no damage in that Reyes fight, like, very little damage. So hopefully they can get him back in there in, like, maybe February or something, uh, March, something like that. Um, was that, like, six months from maybe even sooner, maybe even January. I don't know. But uh, I like Yon a lot. Masio, Masio, hey, how's it going, man? I see Yan as a Bisping. It's funny, actually. Bisping posted a photo of them together yesterday. He's like 10 years apart. There's a picture of them, like, I think from this past weekend and then from 10 years ago where Jan looks so young and Bisping looks so young. It's pretty crazy how much has uh, changed in the last 10 years. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. He's a late bloomer, right? Like, he's got better at an older age. You don't typically see that. The thing about Jan is he uh, he's got a good ground game too. You know, it's not just the striking. His ground game is underrated. He is a good, well-rounded guy. But I'm just not convinced that he's going to hold the belt for very long with this division. There's so many good young fighters coming up in this division. And John Jones comes back, and he's even more trouble. But we'll see what happens. And Brandon Parker's got a good comment here. Jan isn't the top 205. We all know this. Izzy destroys him. Well, I mean, Izzy's not a 205-er. But if they did fight, I mean, that'd be an interesting fight because Izzy's got the long reach. He's got the power. He's got everything, really, the cardio. So Izzy's great. I think that's a really interesting fight. I'd like to see that fight personally, but I don't think we'll see it right now. I think Izzy fights probably Cannoneer next, and then Jan probably fights Winner, Santos, and Glover. But at some point, that would be an interesting fight. And I just want to get this last comment from Kevin here. I find it a lot more entertaining when the champ is a minus 1,000 favorite every fight. Are you talking about the uh, Lightweight Division or Bellator cards? Because <laughs> I think it applies to both. I was talking about Bellator when you throw that comment in there. Let's talk about, uh, let's see here. What was next on my list? I mean, we can talk about the Adesanya thing as well. So it's just a good segue because Brandon just mentioned it. So Adesanya and Jones are going back and forth right now. Actually, this morning, they're going back and forth. Jones was making fun of Adesanya for his pink hair. He said he's got boobs because of the whole swollen peck thing that, you know, some people are saying he used to take steroids. He's dying it. No idea. He's passing his drug test. So it's hard to say, is he you're on steroids? But Jones said that, you know, who knows what he was doing at these old small shows. He called them bum ass shows that he used to fight at. Were they even testing at those shows? I have no idea, right? Um, but yeah, these guys are going back and forth. And and John Jones brought up Izzy's father. Basically said like, you know, I, 
I think your dad knows I'm going to beat you up or something like that. It was, and then John, and then Izzy this morning went to John and said, you know, your mom would be not proud of you or whatever. Now, John Jones's mom died a couple of years ago. I thought that was a really low blow. I mean, you don't really bring up people's dead family members. It's so low. Both these guys are so immature. It's crazy how immature they are. Like, I like trash talking. Obviously, who doesn't? It's great. I love good fights. Who doesn't? It's great. When you're bringing up dead family members, come on. So lame. So lame, guys. Seriously. So, you know, I like both guys as fighters a lot, Jones and Izzy. They both have a lot to work on as far as their maturity goes. I'm not saying I'm the most mature guy in the world either by any means. And there's still stuff I, I need to work on myself. But come on, guys. Seriously, bringing up your the guy's dead mom and basically being like, he brought my dad up first, so I'm going to bring up your dead mom. That's exactly what he wrote. Go on Izzy's Twitter. So lame. And again, I like Izzy. He's a great fighter, man. He's awesome. He's a good money-making machine for guys that like to bet on the sport because he's always winning his fights. But I think he's got a lot to work on as far as his maturity goes. And we saw that the other day in the fight with Costa. Great knockout, great performance. The stuff he did after the fight's so weird. It's so dumb and it's just super weird, honestly. Like, I was telling my girlfriend about him. Like, so Izzy humped the guy and then he basically joked around that he's going to come on him and she's like what like it's super weird if you go and watch the video i just find it really really super strange you know i, I get it i, I get it there, these guys there's no love lost between costa and izzy the hump thing that was one thing the other thing with eric albergen that's just super weird and kind of creepy to be honest with you so love izzy is a fighter man but i don't see anyone could be like this is hilarious this is entertaining it's just super super weird and super cringe to be honest with you so both these guys i mean you want to talk trash go ahead but I'd like to see them back it up in the cage. I mean, they're going to sit there and talk on social media, get us to talk about it and write about it. All right, whatever. I mean, we need stuff to talk about, but I'd like to see these go, guys go at it. I think Jones is he's the fight to make. You know, I just don't see it happening right now because Jones is going to go to heavyweight. If he doesn't go to heavyweight, though, I'd rather see him fight Izzy in a super fight than see him fight Jan or whoever. Here's a good question, Kevin Scott. How would Izzy match up against someone like Usman or Colby? That's a really good question, Kevin. So first off, obviously Izzy is a massive middleweight. His height and reach are legendary. I think he's 6'4 with an 80-inch reach, so he'd have a big reach advantage over Usman and Colby. Now, of course, those guys are wrestlers. They're cardio machines. They'd be looking to push the pace, take Izzy to deep waters, grind him out, wrestle him. It's possible. You saw the Kelvin Gaslam fight. That was a knock him out, drag him out war. Kelvin did have some success with the wrestling at times in that fight. But again, the striking, the range, the precision, I would pick Izzy against either of those guys. The, the size and the reach and the height, I think it's just too instrumental to overcome. There's a reason we do have weight classes in the sport because guys are so evenly matched now that if there is a weight difference of, in this case, it would be, what, 15 pounds? I think that would be what it would take to put Izzy over the top against either guy. But they're both interesting matchups. Especially Usman. I mean, if Usman keeps winning and he's winning a lot of fights, there's a lot of contenders left at 170. But just say he picks up a couple more wins, I could see him being one of those guys that wants to move up to 185 at some point. And GSP did it. I think Usman, he looks at GSP as kind of his role model in the sport and the division, and he wants to kind of be like him and defend the belt for a long time. I could definitely see Usman moving up to uh, 185 at some point. Not anytime soon. I think he's got a few more title defenses to make. But as he gets older, as he gets into his mid late 30s, the weight cutting will be harder to do at 170. And Usman's a guy, I met him in person when I was in Brazil last year. We were on the same flight together coming back home. I'm tall. I'm 6'3. I thought Usman like, looked even taller than me. Like, I, I don't know if it's because he just has that like thing about him where like you look up to him kind of like, and, and I might know, know if I'm even looking up to him, but he's just kind of got, it's just that figure. And you can 
kind of feel that energy from him. So Usman's a big dude, man. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm a tall guy. He's he, he was really tall when I met him. So maybe he matches up decently well with Izzy, but Izzy's a freaking monster, man. 6'4, 80 inch reach. He's a big dude. Or I don't know if he's 6'4. Sorry. I, I think I'm making a mistake on that one. Let me see how tight Holly is. Maybe he is. I bet. No, he's 6'4. Okay. No, he's 6'4. So yeah, I mean, physically, he does match up with John Jones kind of well, actually. John Jones is, I think, 6'4. And his reach is 84. So he's got a lot of reach, but Izzy's not that far behind him. Kevin, I doubt a strike will be able to compete with Izzy. He's got to bring some elite wrestling and BJJ and neutralize that. Maybe. I mean, it's possible that someone like a guy who's a hybrid fighter, like Leon Edwards, who's good at striking and wrestling, could be that guy that beats him. Or Gilbert Burns, who's a guy who's good at both. Those could be the guys that kind of beat him. But right now, uh, excuse me, sorry, I'm talking about the wrong guy. I'm talking about Usman for a second. Sorry. For Izzy, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if I could see these guys beating him. Guys like uh Cannonier, I can't see him really win that fight. He's mostly a striker. Gaslam's another guy. I'm sorry, I think Darren Till, I don't see him giving Izzy problems really. Whitaker, I think, could win a rematch potentially. Um, but even him, it's we saw the first fight he got knocked out, right? So I'm with you, kind of like uh, you saw Romero that fight. That was the closest fight that Izzy's probably had besides Vittori, but in those fights, uh he got grinded on. Maybe that's the way to do it. But after that last fight, man, I still don't know how you bet against Izzy. Like, the guy's really good. All right. Let's see what else I got here today. So, talk about Izzy. Now, one thing I want to talk about here is uh, Conor McGregor. Actually, one thing I want to talk about quickly about Izzy. Chris Wyman called him out. Chris Wyman says, this is a Taylor Ray match for me. I want to fight. I'm sorry to beat him. And ragdoll him. I'm going to beat him with the wrestling. He's right. That's probably the way to... Game playing against. I mean, that's exactly what you're saying, Kevin. But uh, I don't know, man. If Chris Wyman fight Izzy, he thinks he's going to ride on. I'm pretty sure Asar would be a massive, massive favorite in that fight. And he'd probably win by KO. We know Wyman's chin's not the greatest. All right, let's talk about Connor McGregor. I got to talk about Connor. So, Connor and Dustin Poirier have reportedly agreed to a charity MMA fight. They're talking about it on Twitter. Connor posted a photo, a poster photo of it. And now Dana White's come out and he said that he's talking to both of them about doing a fight, um, potentially in the UFC. Now, the thing with Connor and Poirier, first off, I think a rematch does kind of make some sense because both guys need a fight right now. Obviously, they're both kind of having some issues dealing with the UFC and the money problems and stuff like that. But, you know, Connor wants a fight. It seems pretty clear he wants a fight, and Dustin wants a fight too. I don't know if this Tony fight's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, then Poirier make or uh, Conor McGregor or Poirier makes a lot of sense. We've we did see this fight six years ago. Both are different fighters now. Poirier did get KO'd back then. It was in 2014, UFC 178. That was a long time ago, guys. You know, and Poirier fights a lightweight now. He's not featherweight. Same with Conor. They're both different weight classes. Conor is essentially a welterweight at this point. He's a, he's a guy who just fights a welterweight because he doesn't have to cut weight. So I think it'd be a fight that makes sense. Um, a charity may fight open weight. He says it's going to be a, a sparring match. I think they have to call it that if they're going to do it because they can't call it a fight because they're under contract with the UFC. But that's exactly why I don't think it's going to happen anyways. Dana White's already come out and said that, you know, he's talking to them. I think he'll block it. And he even said, you know, the thing with Connor and Manny Pacquiao last week, according to Dana, Connor was forced to take down his Instagram post because the Saudis threatened to sue him. They said, you're going to take it down 15 minutes. We're going to sue you. Because he said they had to fight in Saudi Arabia. Dana White is probably going to threaten to sue him too. He's like, if you don't take down the poster or, you know, if we don't do this fight in the UFC, we can sue you. Contractually, I don't think there's any way they can actually do this fight. They might be able to do a grappling match, maybe. But I think that even that, they needed the UFC permission. I can't see any way in hell the UFC would let McGregor fight Poirier in a striking battle, even if it's just a sparring match. Especially because 
December 12th is the same date as UFC 256. Usman Burns, Cyborg Anderson. There's or it's not Cyborg Anderson, excuse me, Nunez Anderson. Sorry. But the point is, there's no way the UFC is gonna let Connor put on a show the same night as their pay-per-view. No chance. Kevin Scott is not suggesting why men the guy's delusional. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't saying you were. I, I just saw the article yesterday. But yeah, I mean, we look at the rankings right now. Let's look at the rankings. Let's talk about Izzy for a second here. Let's take a look here, guys. Alrighty. Let's take a look. Take a look at the rankings. You know, you look at uh, middleweight. Addison Rate, obviously the champ. He's already beat Whitaker. But again, a rematch would be interesting, I think. You look at some of the other guys here. Uh, Costa. Now, Costa... I don't think he had fought his best fight. Wally Ishmael's come out and he said that he didn't follow the game plan and they were disappointed in his performance. I think that a rematch could be more competitive, but that fight's not going to happen anytime soon. Costa wants a rematch now. He's not getting it. Cannonier, he's got power. He's got experience, but I think Addison just toys with him, beats him up. Hermanson is a really good fighter. He's well-rounded, but we have seen him get stopped before with strikes, and I think that Addison probably finishes him. Then you got Romero. Um, the last fight was super close. Bad fight for sure. Boring fight, but super close. He made it kind of boring, and and that maybe that's the trick to beating Asanya. I think Asanya would have a better performance second time around. Till, I like Till, but I don't think he'd have much for Asanya. Brunson, maybe like that's the kind of style that would probably beat Asanya. A guy who's like high pace, who has striking, who has really good wrestling, but with that chain, we've already seen them fight too. He got knocked out. Gaslam, we saw him fight super competitive. Probably his most competitive fight besides Romero, I guess. So I mean, that's kind of an interesting rematch one day. I don't think it probably happens anytime soon. Why, I mean, you know, realistically, I mean, he's not that far away. He's, he's, I didn't realize he's ranked number nine because he was actually out of the top 15 for a while. He beats the Akhmedov, and then he gets into number nine. It's kind of high up, but, I mean, realistically, he probably gets KO'd. And then you got Hall. He'd get knocked out. And Shabazian, I don't think he'd beat him. Tavares would get fit. We, we saw that fight. He beat him by decision. I think he'd get finished now. And these other guys, like I've met off, no way. But Tori, they did fight that split decision, but a couple of years ago, I don't see Asari having problems now. And then Heinish, who's pretty big, powerful dude, but I don't see him having problems either. So honestly, there's no one in the top 15 I would favor over Adesanya at this point. No one. And I don't think any of these guys really beat him, to be completely honest with you. Then again, you look at 205, you got Yon here. It's nice to see Yon up here as the champ. They have to put his belt there, though. He doesn't have his belt. But that's, a, that's an interesting fight. That is a good fight. These two guys, that's a good fight. But I think all the challenge it's like John Jones. Like, he cleaned it out. Now he's a, he wants to move the heavyweight because all the challengers are gone. You look at uh, middleweights, he's beat a lot of these guys in the top ten already. He's got a couple more fights to to have, but Asari is not that far from where we're talking about him potentially moving up, I think. And we already are talking about it because there's so many good fights here. Like, Jan's a good fight. Tiago Santos would be a good fight. Dominic Reyes would be a good fight. Glover would be a good fight. Even Rakic would be a good fight. There was a rumor I, I saw yesterday of Rakic or Projatska. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I saw a rumor about it. That would make sense on the rankings. By the way, Uzdemir is supposed to fight Krylov, but Uzdemir has an injury, so he's not fighting him now. Krylov is an opponent. Anthony Smith wants Johnny Walker, and they have these other guys here in the bottom 15. So and I'm glad to see OSP ranked, by the way. I don't really look at the rankings that much. It's kind of just like a, uh, um, I don't even know, just a quick reference for me. I don't like look at them and be like, all right, this guy shouldn't be 15, but it's nice to see OSP rank because he's a guy that should be ranked the whole time, honestly. All those wins he has, all those submissions, all those Von, von Pruchokes, but wasn't ranked for a while. All right, so yeah, McGregor and Poirier, think it's definitely a, something that's happening right now, but I don't know. 
I have no idea, guys. If I had to guess, they might get this fight done in the UFC. There's just no chance this fight's going to happen for charity outside the octagon. Uh, a couple other things I have here. Uh, Frank Mir, his daughter, Bella Mir, only 17 years old. She just signed with first-round management. It's Malky Kawa, John Jones' longtime manager. Frank Mir's longtime manager. And uh, I read the post. He said, you know, best athlete in Las Vegas, male or female. Her dad's Frank Mir. She's been, he's been training her for, for years. He's been grooming her to, to do this. So I'm reading the post and I'm like, whatever. Man, she's just a kid, right? I went and checked her Instagram out. She is a good athlete. She plays a lot of sports, man. Baseball, football, MMA, boxing, grappling, everything. I mean, this girl is a real, she looks like a good athlete. So actually, I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw. And I think from what I saw as far as her grappling goes, I mean, she's training at Syndicate MMA with Sarah Kaufman. You know, that's her training partner right now. So I think this girl could go far. Her dad's Frank Mir. It's so crazy, right? Like, we have the second generation of fighters now coming up. And we've seen it a few other times. Even the Ravenny guy I talked about in Bellator, he's a second-generation fighter. But uh, Bella Mir, that's a name to keep out for, guys. So keep an eye out for her. I mean, I don't know, like, how good she really is in MMA. We'll see. But she's making her pro debut. I think she could be someone that gets a couple fights uh, in Vegas on the regional scene there. And then Invicta could sign her. I think Invicta would be a great spot if she can kind of prove that she's actually a decent fighter. And then, you know, who knows? I mean, what could happen one day? But it's too far to look ahead like that. You can't look and be like, oh, this girl's going to be a champ one day in the UFC. Like, who knows? But I do think that based on what I saw, she's a good athlete. And I think she could uh, have some success with the sport, especially with her dad being Frank Mir and dad, her dad being her main coach and, and training partner. I think that's a huge help, obviously. Here's what Kevin said. I'm excited for Bell. I saw clips of her wrestling against the boys a few years ago. Right, on, guys. Bro, I was I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the the clips on her Instagram. I was like, this girl is just a kid. You know, she's 17. Then I watched the videos and I'm like, this girl's actually a really good athlete. Like you can just look at her and you can see that she she's strong, she's powerful, she's fast. I'll be looking forward to seeing what happens to her MMA debut. I'm sure it'll be covered pretty highly. And obviously, like I said, her dad is a really famous guy. So I'm sure those guys uh will talk about that fight a lot in the next couple of weeks because I think she's making her pro debut next month. Let's see here. Paul Felder. Love Paul Felder. Paul Felder, one of the top 10 lightweights in the UFC. He says he's open to fighting Michael Chandler. He says he wants to introduce Michael Chandler to the UFC. He wants to be the guy who welcomes Michael Chandler. He says he has a lot of respect for Michael Chandler, and he wants to fight him. He also said that a lot of guys aren't happy that Michael Chandler was tabbed as the backup for the Khabib and Gaethje fight. And honestly, I completely agree with that. I like Michael Chandler a lot. I've always liked Michael Chandler. He's a great fighter. Uh, I've been watching him fight for 10 years now. Um, I remember seeing him fight, uh, fight Akihiro Gono back in I think, 2012 in Ontario at Casino Rama. Knocked him out that night. I remember that. And I was there for that fight. That was an interesting one. Um, love Michael Chandler. He shouldn't be the backup for this fight. He doesn't deserve it because he doesn't have any fights in the UFC. And he lost two fights ago to, or three fights ago to Patricky Pitbull. So you guys got, you got guys like Poirier, Ferguson. I mean, these are guys that have been busting their ass for a decade in the UFC. They should be the backup for this fight. Love Chandler. I know what they're doing here. They want to introduce the guy, get it. They want to have him on the big stage of Fire Island, but it's just really bizarre how they tap him as a backup and didn't actually give him a fight, even though he's in training camp right now. It's just really strange. So I'd like to see him get a fight. I'd love to see him fight Paul Felder on Fire Island. I think that'd be incredible. It'd be a great fight. I'd probably favor Chandler in that fight a little bit. I love Paul Felder too, but I think I'd favor Chandler. But We'll see. I mean, I don't know. Like, it feels like they want to keep him as a backup. That fight's only three weeks away. It's not that far away. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Felder Chandler is a fight I'd watch for sure if they want to do that fight. 
Carlos Condit, he wants to fight Nick Diaz again. He basically said they have unfinished business. We obviously remember their fight from 2012 at UFC 143. It was a razor-thin fight. It was a unanimous decision for, for Condit, but it was a super close fight. I remember watching that fight, and everyone was just like, how are the judges going to score this? They ended up giving me the Condit, which I believe eight years later is still the right call. I know there's a lot of Nick Diaz fans that say one, two, five Diaz. He won those three rounds, but I think Condit won the fight. Personally, it was super close though. And I think rematch makes sense. Carlos Condit, five straight losses. He hasn't won a fight since 2015. He's fighting this weekend's Court McGee. Win or lose, I still think a fight against Nick makes sense. Nick Diaz, he hasn't fought in five years as well since the no contest against Anderson Silva. It'll actually be six years. So he hasn't won a fight in forever. He hasn't won a fight since 2011 against BJ Penn. He's not that relevant anymore. I get it. Newer fans probably just look at Nick Diaz and kind of think he's a bit of a joke. Same with Carlos Condit. I mean, if you're a newer fan and you're looking at his record, you're like, what is this guy? He sucks. He doesn't. He was amazing for a while. And say with Nick. So I'd be okay with that fight, to be honest with you. I think it'd be a fun fight. Uh, a fight that makes sense. And a fight that, quite frankly, I agree with Carlos Condon. There is some unfinished business there among fans. The problem is, it wouldn't be a main event pay-per-view fight like these, they were uh, the first time for the interim title when GSP got hurt. This would be probably an undercard fight, right? I mean, Nick Diaz, you'd assume, would be on a pay-per-view, probably the, the co-main event. So maybe they don't think Condon's a worthy opponent at this point. But quite frankly... You know, Nick Diaz has to win a fight. He hasn't won a fight in nine years, so he's got to win a fight. Kevin Scott, would these more established contenders in 155 be willing to go to fight on the train with no fight lined up? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. I, I still find the whole Chandler thing very kind of weird. Like, when have they ever signed a fighter from Bellator or whoever, Pride or whoever, and said, you're going to be the backup, you're not actually fighting. We're going to train, you're not going to fight. You might fight, but we have no idea. It's really weird. And again, is that something that they wrote into his contract so Bellator didn't match the contract because they had the chance to match it, right? I have no idea. I just find it kind of bizarre. I'd like to see Chandler fight someone in that card. I don't think it's kind of just weird that he's training. He'll be prepared for that card. Like, just say Khabib or Gaethje does follow, which I don't want to happen, but just say it does. At least Chandler would still be in the card. And then the other guy he'd fight, I have no idea he would be. You know, even if it is Paul Felder, you could always just, you know, find someone short enough for Paul Felder or just pay him a little bit of money if you want to put Chandler in there. I just think Chandler should have had an appointment for this card. Kevin says Condit Nick in 2020 seems like a Bellator fight, to be honest. Maybe. I mean, Condit, five straight loss. It could be six straight after this weekend. And Nick hasn't won a fight, like I said, nine years. Nine years since UFC 137, where he beat BJ Penn. fight, by the way. And I love BJ Penn, work for his website, but that's the last one he has. All right, a couple fight announcements here. First one, Deron Wynn against Antonio Braganeto. This is an interesting fight. Deron Wynn actually was suspended recently for amphetamine use. Uh, I have no idea what he was using, what substance, but he was suspended for nine months, uh, and he'll be ready to go to December. So it was kind of a shorter suspension than, than usual, it seems like. But Deron Wynn, overall in the UFC 1 and 2, He's coming up back-to-back losses against Mearshard and Stewart. He did beat Spicely by decision in a great fight. It was a fight of the night, an amazing fight, actually, last year. Overall, I mean, this guy's still a prospect, but the biggest problem I've always had with him, 5'6", 185, he's so small. 5'6". Can this guy make 170? I don't know. He's like Daniel Cormier, but a smaller version of him. It's just hard for this guy to cut weight, I think. Um, he's taking on Antonio Braganetto here. This is a guy I've been hiring for a while. He's 9-3 uh, in one no contest in his MMA career. He actually has three fights in the UFC, but you look at his record, his first win in the UFC, Antonio Braganetto, he's 32 years old. His first win in the UFC was in 2013. It's Anthony Smith. He submitted him. Then he fought Clint Hester, lost a split in 2014. Didn't fight again until 2017, where got KO'd by Trevin Giles, and they didn't fight again until December 2020. So three-year layoff. 
this guy is actually kind of interesting. I saw a story about him like two months ago, maybe. Kombachi had a story on him, and he's like, uh, he trains dogs now, I think, or something. Like, that's what he's been doing. So, this guy, I don't even know if he's really a full time fighter anymore. He's definitely a good jiu jitsu guy and everything, but I think you kind of got to favor Duran win just based on the activity. The whole PD thing definitely throws it off a little bit. You, you wonder, like, if this guy was using something for a long time, but, you know, Braganetto, one fight in the last six years, guys. Like, that's. That's like Nick Diaz territory. You don't want Nick Diaz. No fights in, in five years. This guy has one fight in six years, so it's not that good. Uh, the other fight is Darren Elkins against Luis Garagori. Now, Garagori is supposed to fight Rasad Dektich, who Darren Elkins knocked out a couple years ago. That fight didn't happen because Garagori's cornerman tested positive for COVID-19. So if I was scrapped, Darren Elkins now gets Garagori instead. And Darren Elkins, he needs to win this fight. He's lost four straight fights. And I like Darren Elkins. He's a veteran he's been around forever man you got to respect the guy but he's lost four straight fights after a six fight win streak so you know you look at the losses and volkanovsky no shame in that lomas no shame in that hall no shame the land where fights a fight should have won it was a super close fight but he lost that's the guy he has to be at this point in his career so the ufc respects him obviously they're going to give him another fight here against garagori in november and Luis garagori um 13-1 record and he has uh, two fights in the UFC. He beat Humberto Badini in his debut and then lost to Ricardo Ramos by submission. And he definitely could finish Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins is a durable guy, but over the years, his durability has diminished a little bit. But Darren Elkins is still a good wrestler. Darren Elkins is still super experienced. I kind of feel like it's going to be a super close line, but I would slightly lean towards Elkins, I think, just based on the fights in the UFC. He says like 20 fights in the UFC, and he's won many times by uh, as an underdog. So, underrated guy and you know, I like Elkins, but man, he's got to snap it. Four fight losing streak, you can't have that. If you're not like Carlos Khan is a five fight losing streak, but that's a forward champ. Elkins is never a champ. You lose five straight, he's gone from the UFC. So it's a must win fight. I'm just looking to see what else is there. Um, if anyone else has any questions, throw them in there right now before I get out of here. Let's see here. Uh, Johnny Walker, Michelle Pereira, there's a funny video of them last night. Uh, they were sparring yesterday and jumping off the wall, as you assume. Pereira did a backflip and and Walker did a Superman punch off the wall, so it's kind of cool. So I've checked that out. Uh, Volkanovski was in the news. He did an interview with Mike Hack, and he said that he wants to uh, fight someone soon, and he wants to get back in the octagon before the end of the year, like December or January, he said. So he's looking at the winner of Zombie and Ortega, which makes a lot of sense, especially if it's Zombie, zombie because if Zombie wins that fight, it'd be a lot of momentum for a title shot. He also mentions the beat, but he's like, where's the beat in the air? Why aren't these guys fighting? And I think a lot of fans are wondering the same thing, like, why are these guys fighting? Uh, the other guy he mentioned was Calvin Cater, which is an interesting guy because basically what Volkanovski said was, I have a lot of respect for Calvin Cater. He's fighting when a lot of guys aren't fighting. He's actually stepping in the octagon and fighting and beating guys. So, you know, Calvin Cater, he does have that lost as a beat just a year ago. He's lost November, but he's been super active and you got to respect the guys. So I think Cater could get that fight. It's definitely possible. Here's a great question. Kevin Scott, thoughts on Esther Lynn leaving MMA? Great question. So Esther Lynn is or was the photographer for MMAfighting.com for many years. And she was a photographer of many of the greatest photos in MMA history. And I'm trying to think of some good ones, but like uh, Anderson Silva against Chael Sonnen. She got that famous picture of the triangle choke. And there's a bunch of other ones like Machida. I think when he knocked out, uh, gosh, I don't remember who it was. Uh, Munoz maybe? I can't remember. But she's got a lot of really good iconic photos like Time. There's a there's a whole list of them. Someone posted it yesterday. I was looking through them. Just can't remember them all. She's a great photographer. I mean, she's one of the best, probably the best that uh, MMA's had. Um, 
I was surprised when I saw the news. I, I when I read the news, I assumed that someone like she got let go, right? And that's what I assumed. I think a lot of people would have assumed that just based on COVID. I know MA fighting's let go of some other guys the last couple months. But she announced that she actually made the decision to quit. Uh, she quit her job because she said, I haven't shot anything since March. And she said that she's been talking to the UFC and they won't give her credentials for some reason. I, I guess they're not allowing photographers or there's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about because it's kind of weird, right? Like, is there no photographers right now? Is it just the UFC guy? I'm not sure, but she hasn't been able to shoot in six months. And she said that uh, she's going to do some voiceover work now and stuff like outside of me. And I guess the door's always open to return to me, but you know, it's one of these things where she even said, you know, I'm taking a risk by quitting a full-time job to pursue some other opportunities. That's always a risk. I have quit a job in the past and multiple jobs. It's super risky because a lot of time you quit and you don't find another job for a while. You usually want to find a job before you quit, but sometimes it's just not possible. If it's a really bad situation, toxic situation or a situation where in Esther's case, she felt like she was probably stuck like she wasn't kind of growing or whatever. And she's stuck and she's thinking, can I even take pictures? Can I even do my job? Which is her job as a photographer. She can't go to events. So her leaving, I mean, it, it sucks, but I can definitely see her rationale behind it. Now, at the same time though, a lot of people are taking this a little bit too far, I think. I mean, it's definitely a loss for the sport. I think it's a big loss. But she didn't die, guys. Like she could always come back. You know, the pandemic's screwed a lot of people and i think that photographers it's not even someone i thought about but they definitely got screwed here but she didn't die she could come back in a couple years and i think she probably will because i think there'll be a market for her services because she is really good at her job but you know as far as her leaving the sport i mean a lot of people have stepped away i've been covering the sport for almost 10 years now and a lot of people i've met along the way have stepped away there's been so many people have come and gone it's always surprising though when someone who's been doing it for a little bit longer than you and she's been doing it for a few years longer than me leaves before you so it's always definitely surprising but uh I think in her case, you know, she had some rationale behind it, at least. It wasn't just like, a, you know, she was pissed off and just quit. I think she had uh, a lot of pent-up frustration about the fact she wasn't able to do her job the way she wanted to. And, yes, she was still employed by Vox and fighting and chose to leave her position. So, you know, it's always a risk, but hopefully it works out for her. Kevin Scott, Robbie, Rory, Stereo. I mean, that is absolute classic, man. And you're 100% right. I mean, what a, what a classic. She's one of the best. So, yeah, and it's it's a big loss to the sport. I just hope people realize, like, she doesn't have cancer. She didn't die. She could come back in a couple of years, you know. So don't mourn her loss. You know, be upset that she left and, and, and hope that there's someone else that could take her spot. But if not, she'll be back, hopefully. Masio, Masio, fight tonight this weekend. I love this question, Masio. You should ask me every week this one. Now, looking at this card, can't remember if you were if you saw the chat the other day, Matthew. If you're in there or not, I don't think you were. But either way, if, if you missed it, um, there's a few fights that I kind of singled out as potential fight of the nights. Uh, I, I think the Condit McGee fight could be actually really good because you look at Condit McGee and they're high volume strikers. Um, McGee actually throws with a lot more volume than one would have expected if you don't look at his stats. I think he absolutely could win this fight. So. Condit could too, and he's an underdog right now. I think it's a really competitive fight. It'll stay standing. I think these guys are going to strike each other. So that would probably be one of my sleeper picks, Condit McGee. It's on the prelims, though, so they usually pick a fight from the main card, usually. And if that's the case, I think that the fight that uh, just landed on the main card, Cameron Ellis against Kyler Phillips, could win. Kyler Phillips just won fight of the night in his last fight against Gabriel Silva. It was a really high-action fight. I don't know a lot about this else guy looking at his record. He's kind of lost a few times and it kind of worries me against Phillips. So maybe he finishes him quick, but if the fight goes to full three, it could be a really fun fight. 
And then looking at the prelims, this guy, uh, Casey Kenny, who's a really exciting guy. It's highly Alatang, who's one fight of the night. That could be a potential one as well. I guess you have to mention the main event, Hole Maldonado, but I have a feeling it's going to be boring. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope we're wrong, guys, but I have a feeling it's going to be a boring fight. I hope we're wrong, though. Gabriel Trabuzzi. Let's go, Quad. Love from Rio, Brazil. I wish I knew what you're saying because you have some Brazilian Portuguese in there, but I love you too, man. I'm glad you're here for the podcast today. All right, let's see what else we got here, guys. Got a few more minutes and then I'll get out of here. Um, as far as news goes, let's see here. Um, there's a bunch of stuff, but nothing like super, super burning, I don't think. Just Jones and, and Izzy's going back and forth. Anyways, I think that's it for today because I'm looking. I don't really see much else. So that's it for today's podcast. I appreciate you guys joining me and asking questions. I love it. Keep sending them in. The next podcast will be Tuesday at 10 a.m. I'll be breaking down the next UFC card with Cole. So definitely check that out. I think that's it's on your take, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely check that out. It could be wrong. Let me, double, let me make sure I didn't say that wrong. Let's see here. It kind of, oh, sorry. It's Sanhagen Marais. It's on me. And uh, Ortega's next week. But yeah, Sanhagen Marais is next Tuesday. In the meantime, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Martin. The podcast is available at MMAoddsbreaker.com. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on Spotify. It's on Anchor. It's on iTunes, Google Hangout, Google Podcasts, everywhere. Everywhere you get your podcast, subscribe, like, tell your friends about it. I'm trying to grow the show. It's growing slowly, but I'm trying to get it there, guys. It's uh, it's fun to do. I love doing it with you guys. So definitely uh, keep tuning in, asking questions. Love it. BJPen.com, always posting the news there. MMARings.net, I posted an article this week over there about Izzy and what he needs to do to become the number one pound for round fighter in the world. Right now, he's number three. He's behind Habib and John Jones. I have some ideas of how he could jump to that number one spot. So go and check that out at MMARings.net. And uh, one last thing from Master here, Phillips by sub plus 500. Absolutely could happen for sure. I think Phillips could definitely submit this guy or, or knock him out. But I think that sub prop's worth it for sure. Because you look at his, his record, he's got some subs. That's it, guys, for today's podcast. Really appreciate you joining me. And I'll be back on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Hope you enjoy Bellator today, UFC this weekend, and Bellator this weekend as well. Have a good one. Bye.